Have you struggled to get everything done? Have you looked for every trick to be more productive? How much do you really understand about how productivity really works? This is Crushing the Clock, a podcast where we explore the nature of productivity so you can actually get back your time and energy, making a difference in both your personal and professional lives. Welcome back to Crushing the Clock. My name is Joshua Rivers, and today we are going to discuss how to effectively manage your energy. And I know we've talked about energy previously in this podcast, even though this is episode number seven. We are going to look at some different things related more to the nutrition and the, I guess, science behind some of that stuff um, inside our body and how that affects our energy as well. Because there's a lot of people that find it very difficult to be able to manage their energy, especially the energy comes from considering one's food intake, hydration, exercise, sleep, and so forth. So a lot of times it's the lack of habit to condition ourselves to be able to eat properly and make sure that we are fueling ourselves with the proper things, not just looking at our focus or our time. And so we need to look at these things to be able to help us be able to have a good energy flow as well as helping us to be more productive in the process. So our guest today is Chelsea Stegman. She has an undergrad degree at Miami University of Ohio. She got her dietetic internship at Louisiana and she worked with the worst diabetes and kidneys dialysis. Afterwards, she became a dietitian, moved to Cincinnati and worked in a health club for several years. Now she's in downtown Chicago. She worked in another health club. She finished her master's and she started her own virtual business as well. And now she joins us on the podcast to be able to talk about energy management, specifically about managing nutrition, about how to be able to decrease your burnout, increase your energy, productivity, and performance. So let's jump into this conversation that I had with Chelsea Stegman. I started out as a dietitian. My undergrad was at Miami University of Ohio, not at Miami, Florida. Um, so it was a school before Miami, Florida was a city, actually. So I was there, moved to Louisiana, so kind of worked with the worst of the worst, diabetes, kidney dialysis. I got my dietetic internship there and became a dietitian after that. Then I moved to Cincinnati, worked in a health club setting for about three years. And then now I'm in downtown Chicago, worked in another health club here, and then finished my master's right after I moved from Cincy too. And then here I am with my own business and it's all virtual. So I work with, I say active professionals, but it's basically people with a lot of goals just in their professional life and their athletic goals too. So it's more managing energy, fueling yourself for your workday, your workouts, and then also recovering well too. What made you want to get into this field of dietitian and nutrition? Honestly, it started out in college. I just loved food in general. I liked cooking. I liked being around food. I had always been pretty active. And 
if anyone knows anything about the field of dietetics, it's pretty broad. So I've definitely dipped into, say, eating disorders and clinical issues and other things like that, too. But right now, I just found that I really like working with goal-oriented people. So it's a lot of people who just want to optimize everything, which I love, and they seem pretty driven. So that's kind of how I got where I am right now. But I've definitely explored a lot of different areas in my field. Okay, well, excellent. As we look at being able to make a priority in our life when it comes to managing our nutrition. Where does someone start with that? It depends on the person, I would say. But I do lab testing just to look at what's going on from the inside out so we can make those priorities. Or we can just talk over habits and see like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what we aren't doing. So what is most realistic for you to start with? Really with priorities in general, it's just finding that needle mover that moves all these other habits too. So for me, health-wise, it's focusing on exercise. And then usually a lot of nutrition habits, water intake, just eating frequency, all of that follow suit. So really, it's very individualized looking at priorities. But I'd say a big priority with most people that bleeds into all these other things is just managing blood sugar throughout the day and looking at just macronutrients, meal timing, and that can help with just productivity and reducing brain fog throughout the day. Okay. Yeah. So obviously, as you said, everyone's a little bit different mm-hmm. in what works for them. But as a general rule, what would it look like as far as like, okay, how does someone actually manage their blood sugar? How do they be able to do that throughout the day? And blood sugar, it seems like a very out there clinical term, but really all of us would benefit from just managing that throughout the day. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to look at blood sugar, lab values or whatever consistently, but it's really what makes up your meals. So making sure that we have adequate protein each meal. So starting off the day with adequate protein, non-starchy vegetable, making sure we have a complex carbohydrate, healthy fat. So just a well-balanced meal and looking into the components of each meal throughout your day and then ensuring that we are eating or snacking to just keep that blood sugar stable so we don't ride what I call the blood sugar roller coaster. So a lot of those ups and those downs. And generally with that, symptomatically, we can feel it. We feel the cravings. We feel the brain fog, the energy dips and rises and everything that comes with it. So what I really coach people on is just looking at what they're eating and noticing that link between a lot of those symptoms. And blood sugar is usually the first thing we look at and the first step. That's very interesting. And so because I've looked into several different things through my health journey, looked at a lot of different things. And so I I came across like, like things like keto, things like that. And with keto, it's like it's all really low carb and things like that. So you're not taking in a lot of those carbs, and a lot of those sugars. Would that be something that maybe you can kind of look at if you're if you're struggling or, or what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And I'd say with that, we kind of live in a world of extremes. There is some components that do help with brain health. Um, people with actual disorders such as epilepsy, it can be beneficial for the general population, which I'm speaking to right now. I wouldn't say I'd advise that, just making more of a well-rounded approach because carbs can support brain health as well. Mm-hmm. And also just muscle development, so many other things. So just making sure we have all those components to keep it stable and not just go into the extreme forms of dieting. All right. Well, very good. Yeah. Cause I noticed some benefits as far as like, it, it helped me to lose weight, but I didn't know like factoring all the other stuff and things like that. Yeah. And so I know generally I felt pretty good for the most part. My, my problem was the struggles with the cravings, with the things I 
wasn't allowed to have yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know those are the hard things and so the donuts and the dr peppers and things like that were the difficult struggle that i had with those things which i mean obviously donuts and dr pepper and stuff like that we need to moderate those and so i understand that yeah. so i did notice also along similar lines here is cortisol i noticed that you had a recent blog post on that so what is cortisol and how does that fit into managing our energy that going back to the testing, that is something I test for, or we can also look for symptomatically like the blood sugar too. So what it is, is your stress hormone. It takes a diurnal rhythm, we call it. So it's supposed to spike in the morning, then slowly taper off throughout the day. So it varies throughout the day, it has an inverse relationship to melatonin. So for instance, at night, when cortisol is supposed to be low, melatonin is supposed to be high, which we know a lot of people take to go to sleep that support sleep. Some people could have that imbalanced. If cortisol is high, if you're super stressed at night, you probably have issues sleeping because melatonin is low. Um, so that's really something that I look into with a lot of people with productivity, energy levels throughout the day, performance at work, at the gym, um, is looking more into those cortisol levels and how they're managed. Also, going back to blood sugar has a very close relationship with blood sugar too. So hmm. managing blood sugar can help manage that cortisol throughout the day. If blood sugar is super low, your cortisol spikes and vice versa. Something that I definitely look at and you can tell symptomatically like if you're tired and wired throughout the day, if your brain's going, 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 but you're physically tired, which once I explain that, most of us have felt that at some points in our life. If you're relying on coffee four or five cups of coffee throughout the day. Coffee isn't the worst thing in the world, but it's, okay, let's look into the why behind that reliance of coffee. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of factors with that, but cortisol or stress hormone is what I look at with that. Yeah, I can relate to that. You talked about like living on caffeine yeah. and I had a period in my, in my life several years ago to where I averaged about two to three hours of sleep a day. Mm -hmm. And so I was literally living on caffeine and that is how i made it through everyone always asks me like how do you do it how do you do it? it's like first of all i have no idea second of all <laughs> i have all my sonic receipts with all the dr peppers exactly. yeah. that help keep me get through the day which i mean dr pepper is definitely a lot worse for you than coffee mm -hmm. but i just couldn't stand the taste of coffee and so dr pepper was my go-to okay uh during a lot of that or mountain dew and so yeah yeah i can definitely relate to that to where trying to rely on that it definitely did not leave me feeling well mm -hmm. and it also mentally put me in a very difficult place as far as like maybe like some depression even yeah and things like that and it really messes with you and of course then that leads into i mean you're then not going to be very productive even though you might be awake and quote unquote doing things yeah. it takes away from that though so. looking at that blog post that you mentioned too i was kind of going into a personal story with me so college, everyone takes this approach, but I'm like, okay, I'll sleep after college. Definitely pulled some all-nighters. We had chemistry, et cetera. Lots of coffee. I just always could rely on myself, like power through everything, drink as much coffee as you can. I had a side job, other things too, just a lot going on, which we all probably did. And then going into after my dietetic internship, even more busy. My first job, I was working two jobs, one probably more than full-time, also a grad student, and then another part-time job. It was just like at a fitness center, which I would wake up at 4 a.m., open the fitness center, drink just a large cup of coffee because I knew I needed it, and then not eat anything until after just an intense hit training at around like 7 or 8 a.m. 
So after that, which hit and I can go into just exercise and everything isn't the worst thing. But when you're really stressed, have no sleep, it's a stressor on the body too. So that was just leading to everything just kind of exacerbating all my symptoms. And you power through things until you can't anymore until you feel the intense, intense brain fog until super low energy throughout the day. And you kind of try and look into what's wrong with you. And it all makes sense just looking into your history. But for me, it was just mm-hmm. looking more into the science. And then I finally did get the testing. And my cortisol is pretty low. So so yeah, I definitely had a personal story with that. And did some obviously like blood sugar work, making sure that I was just keeping up with that. But that's, again, the basics with this. It was also intentional supplements, tailoring my workouts to what I needed at that point. So yeah, definitely went through it personally myself. I'm not sure how to ask this question, but what I'm trying to go through in my mind as you're saying all that. So we ha- we have all these things. And so you find yourself in that situation where you're like, like there's a lot of high stress. You're not getting a lot of sleep you're relying on caffeine, you're getting in all these things and you do this for an extended period, you get your body into such a, I don't know, upheaval. It's in a very bad state and you realize, okay, I got to make a change, but you also have priorities because in my case, I have a family. Mm -hmm. I can't just quit work. And there's like all these schedules and all. How can someone approach it at the beginning to be able to get started? Again, I understand probably individual situation, but just kind of general thinking, okay, how can I approach this to where it's like, I can make a small step to be able to make a change. Okay. Yeah. And I'd say a lot of people who get themselves into that type of situation, look for extremes the other way too. So they go into like intense supplements, Mm -hmm. adaptogens, which definitely can help, but it's just like analyzing, okay, what am I doing on a day-to-day basis? Sleep is the number one thing I probably need to work on. Okay, let's set apart these hours. Let's set these boundaries. Let's focus on maybe just one supplement, such as magnesium or something to help with relaxation at night so I get better quality sleep. Am I drinking enough water? You're like, yeah, I'm drinking a ton of caffeine, but maybe just increasing the water and that'll naturally decrease. Or just setting apart some time to eat breakfast. So it's the coaching, it's the baby steps, but kind of analyzing, okay, let's start there and not do something too extreme um, the other way just starting out. And I can definitely identify with that because it's like, I need to make some drastic changes. And so that's one of the things that led me to keto. It's like, man, I make a drastic change. I'm like normally having like 400, 500 carbs. Let me go down to 20. And my body's like, what? Mm -hmm. That wasn't very good. And then probably anybody else. I mean, I get hooked on pop. I talked about my Dr. Pepper and it's like, try to quit that. It's like some people, they can quit cold turkey and seem like they're fine. Other people, not so much. But it was interesting there. You talked about drinking more water and that will kind of naturally decrease the caffeine and whatnot that you're doing. And that's one thing that I did notice with myself too. Like when I really started to increase on the water Mm -hmm. and hydrate my body, I wouldn't need the caffeine as much because the water, I guess the caffeine is like a artificial whatever does stimulant to try to keep us away. But when we're hydrated, we don't need as much of that artificial. Exactly. It's a quick fix versus hydration delivers all of the nutrients to all your cells, all your organs. So it helps with that in a natural way. But yeah, it's not as quick. It's not as noticeable at first. But after a while, once we get that hydration up, you can feel it definitely. I know one thing I've heard a lot of people talk about this to where it's like they have a struggle drinking enough water. Mm -hmm. I had an incident 
back early 2000s i was working in a factory i still do some work in the factory and so in the summer it gets like extremely hot outside temperature can be 90 inside you're looking at 110 120 yeah. so it's like extremely hot and at the time my diet my drink i would have a couple sips of water a day and that would be about it everything else was like mountain dew okay <laughs> at the time and so it's like oh yeah i, I get plenty of the drink but it was all that and not drinking much water and i experienced a couple times of heat exhaustion oh yeah which i didn't know that's what it was at the time i didn't know anything about that but it was after that it's like oh that's what it is so then i started forcing myself to drink more water and be able to do that and so now i eventually got myself into a habit of i try to drink more water than i think i need mm -hmm. to be able to do that and i've heard a a statistic obviously there's out there is like okay we'll drink eight glasses of water a day they have all those jugs at the store like 64 ounces and they have little things on there to like measure your water throughout the day and things like that but i've heard a lot of people where it's like they're struggling to be able to drink the water that they need and it's like they drink very little like i was doing how can they could be able to well first of all i guess like like where should they be as far as like how much water and then how can they be able to implement drinking water more into the day and generally i recommend half your body weight in ounces which sounds like a lot for people just starting out um, they're kind of overwhelmed by that but i'd say baby steps keep maybe a water bottle with you that has the ounces so it could be like a 20 ounce water bottle that you just know those ounces and you keep it with you at all times but i'd start off maybe one a day then go to two a day just gradually increase after a while most people i find crave it more they get thirstier they want it more it just takes a certain amount of time to get that to that point but i'm sure you've been to that before definitely yeah, I can speak from my own experience, but from your perspective, I was just curious yeah. on that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it definitely makes a big difference, especially if you're like me. I worked in a factory with extreme heat and things like that. And you say half your body weight. I mean, I would assume that that's like kind of like a, a normal condition yeah. things when you're in a little more extreme situation, you probably need a little bit more, I would think. Yeah, athletes, if you're sweating all the time, for sure, you need a little bit more. Yeah. But going back to productivity helps with cognition. A lot of the brain is comprised of water, so definitely beneficial there. Yeah, and so you mentioned there about athletes and things like that, and obviously you need more than just water because you need to replace the electrolytes. And you mentioned earlier about supplements. So what are like some supplements and things like that that we can look at, try to help us be able to bring a better balance into things? Yeah. And with supplements, I'm kind of a minimalist when it comes to supplements. It's quality over quantity, I say, just ensuring that it is third party tested. So just making sure it is getting to you what it's claiming to be giving to you. But with that, okay. just a good quality multivitamin, just acting like insurance, I say, just covering those bases. Um, I could go on and on with the different vitamins, minerals in those usually, but definitely B vitamins can help with energy and other things as well. So just making sure that we're covering all those bases and then omega-3s. So fish oil is super important there, helps with brain health. And then for most people I see, I live in Chicago, so we don't get a lot of sunlight, especially in the winter months, but vitamin D is super, super low with a lot of people. So something that I recommend getting tested or just like a baseline dose through a multivitamin or a heightened dose if it is pretty low. So that can almost act like a hormone in your body. So help with so many different things, mood, blood sugar levels. So definitely crucial there. 
And then another thing that I actually did my thesis project on was magnesium. So something that I find is deficient with most people in your diet, usually you can get it through dark green leafy vegetables and then greens, but usually depleted if we have a lot of caffeine intake. So a lot of like that Dr. Pepper, like you're saying, sometimes just a lot of alcohol intake. If you're very active or very stressed, we do need more. So something that I usually recommend at night, just taking a good quality dose and that can kind of help you relax at night. It's called the relaxation mineral in my book. So relax and get good quality sleep. So those are the general ones. And then certain protein powders, I say not totally necessary, but good for convenience. If you feel like you can't prep the adequate protein that you need. Okay. Several times in there, you mentioned like some things taking at night mm-hmm. and I assume there's some taking in the morning. So, I mean, is there a benefit of taking certain vitamins or nutrients or whatever at certain times of day? Yeah. Um, and I'd say, especially your multivitamin, like I said, they're going to have B vitamins in there. So that would not be beneficial at night. It'll keep you up. Those help with energy. <laughs> um, so definitely I'd say with your breakfast, also fish oil too. And vitamin D can be taken at different times, but usually I like that in the morning just with everything else. Nighttime, generally a probiotic, magnesium, and anything else that you would need for sleep support at night. Okay. So. Very cool. Yeah. Cause I probably tend to be the ones like, let me just get them all yep, <laughs> and do that. But that not, that, that might not always be beneficial. In fact, I'm staring right over here, right next to my desk. I have a multivitamin. I have omega three. I also have a super B complex. Okay. Perfect. Um, so all in the morning, I would say. And so, yeah. And so, cause I, I just, I just discovered that those are some of the things that I needed. I got the omega three because of, uh, I was battling some high cholesterol and mm-hmm. high blood pressure a little bit. So that was recommended to be able to take that. And then also I had a little time with my eyes were getting dry. Okay. And that was a recommendation for that yeah. as well. So it's like, okay, well, let me get some. And so I say cell membrane health. So hair, skin, eyes helps all of that cardiovascular support and then brain health too. So you're taking all the right things. Yeah, very good. And I probably need to reevaluate, as you mentioned, like there's like some baseline, but then also like talk with your doctor and be able to kind of see what you're missing, what you need and be able to get a little bit more specific, individualized information. And so that would be good. Definitely. And somewhere in our conversation, I can't remember if I said it, you said it, but we talked about like recovery as well. And so there's a lot of this here, like we're trying to recover our body, but I mean, like we're using it, we're, we're doing exercises, whether that's like intentional exercise or just through the mode of our day and things like that. And we're depleting things and we're using all of our energy. What are some good things to be able to help recover and be able to, I guess, rest or whatever, allow our body to heal? Mm -hmm. What are some things there? And I'd say that's kind of big picture. What I'm all about is just if you're active, if you're stressed, if you're doing a lot in general, just higher output in life, we need to recover to bounce back stronger. So with nutrition, I'd say magnesium, like I just said, definitely helps with that recovery. So muscle recovery, or just relaxation of your whole body in general, so it can help with that. So you can build back up stronger. Another thing, vitamin C can help with immunity and so many other things that we most of us probably know, but also can help with adrenal health cortisol production too. So it can help with that recovery. Another thing is zinc can help with muscle recovery. And then certain things, just habits, lifestyle factors too. The main thing we want with the word recovery is activating that parasympathetic nervous system. So kind of winding down a little bit more. So that could be as simple as it is just deep breathing can help with that. 
It's one thing that's so simple that I tell a lot of people and it goes in one ear out the other, but it's super important. So it could be like five minute meditation doesn't have to be a lot. A 20 minute yoga class that you find online, recovery focused exercise like yoga, like Pilates, and just anti-inflammatory eating in general. So eating to reduce inflammation, such as just a lot of colors in general, antioxidants can help with that. Mediterranean-based eating can help with inflammation. So a lot of fish in general can really help. So so there's a lot to recovery, I'd say, um, but super important. And I feel like in America and just a lot of our lifestyles, that's a lot of what we're lacking. Yeah, I can definitely definitely identify with that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and especially certain personality types are like, oh, yes, I could do that. I could do that. Yeah. Until, um, you yeah, and, until you can't. Until you can't. And so it, and I, I noticed, especially like you mentioned there, like through college, it's like we all think, oh, I can just power through and I, I can sleep after college. Or I've heard the statement, well, I, I can sleep when I die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I can just keep doing as much as I possibly can, but not sustainable. And when you're young, you think you can do it because when you're younger, you have a little bit more of that natural stamina to be able to go through and do things and less sleep and things like Mm -hmm. that but that doesn't work as well as you get a little bit older so i'm finding out yeah eventually we hit a wall so it's (laughs) about just developing all those strategies and kind of knowing what works with your body too but yeah we've all been there i'm sure yeah i would say a saying that comes to my mind is whatever the ancient chinese proverb the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago the second best time is now so i would say that's probably the same thing with this so the 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 best time to start with nutrition is when you're young (laughs) and be able to get this in balance and things like that and but for us that's not necessarily possible at this point so the next best time is to start now um before we start to make things worse or we get older and it becomes harder to be able to try to overcome because whatever our body is changing or our mental we're we're just stuck mentally in different things and so it just becomes harder to overcome so that's what's going through my head yeah definitely i'd say no time like the present to start just analyze your situation objectively no judgment see kind of what you're lacking and progress further so what would be the best way for someone to get started with this i know we kind of mentioned a few things kind of here or there but kind of summarizing okay someone needs help be able to manage this what would be the best thing to be able to start with so usually like when i first i go through just a 30 minute free session with people what i look at is one symptoms as i was saying originally so just starting with okay do i have all these blood sugar swings a ton of cravings a lot of signs for blood sugar swings just energy all over the place cortisol levels off. So that tired and wired feeling or just like a lot of fatigue, just notice what's going on. And then look again without judgment with your habits and just see, okay, like the baseline habits, am I drinking adequate water throughout the day? Am I consistent with my meals throughout the day? Because some days, like two, three days might be great. Other four days, not so much. So I see a lot of just like on and off and on and off when I first meet with people. It could be looking at, okay, do I have just the basic multivitamin? Am I taking that consistently? What do my workout routines look like if you're training for something or if you want more of a well-rounded, like walking strength recovery-based kind of routine? So just looking at all those habits related to the symptoms and just seeing, honestly, what is a needle mover and the easiest way to start. Excellent. I really appreciate the time that you spent here and all the information that you shared. I know that in areas we kind of went a little deep in the scientific 
terms and things like that. Uh, hopefully we didn't lose anybody, but um, I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for having me, for sure. Absolutely. So where would be the best place for someone to be able to get a hold of you if they want to find out more or schedule a 30-minute conversation with you? Yeah. So I do have a website. It's chelseastegmanrd.com. Um, so you can contact me there. I have a discovery form and you can just get my email address through that. I do have a blog and then also Instagram can DM or just look at my Instagram, um, chelseastegmanrd. Excellent. We'll make sure to have links to those in the show notes to make it easy so you don't have to remember that if you're driving or whatever right now. So you'll be able to just catch that later. All right. Well, I appreciate All it. All right. Thanks for having me. Make sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast in your podcast player of choice so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or comments or you want more productivity resources, visit crushingtheclock.com. I would love to hear from you. And I'll catch you on the next episode of Crushing the Clock.